All right, we are live. Hello and welcome to another edition of Elevate Your Grind brought to you by the Cannabis Lab. I am your host, Todd Rosales. Um, Midsummer, I hope everybody's doing good. I know I'm doing good. Things are a little, uh, little uneasy because of the pandemic. I'm going to be honest with you, folks. We got a new laptop to do the show, so I'm looking at my guest. You might be seeing him right now. You might not before. I know that he would, they would be hidden until this point. So after this episode, we'll figure out if I still need to do this lengthy introduction to tell you who it is. But um, just a little housekeeping, folks. We've got an awesome panel coming up this week on Thursday for Cannabis Lab. It is Thursday, July 16th at 6 p.m. It is about audit, tax, and accounting in the cannabis space. If you're in the cannabis space, you know that those are very important topics. That's a lot of where you're going to get dinged for compliance. Um, on that panel, we've got Elizabeth Figueroa from Daskal Bolton, uh, Harry Rosenfeld from One Plant, the CFO of One Plant down here in Florida. Uh, Mo, Mo, I didn't write your name down wrong, so I'm going to apologize in advance. Uh, Mo Afala from Biotrack, Rachel Gillette from Greenspoon Martyr and Faith Gorman from Daskal Bolton as well. Should be an awesome panel Thursday night. If you want to check that out, www.joincelab.com. Register for the event. Come as my guest, Todd Rosales, and we'd love to see you there. Uh, got some great shows coming up for you for the rest of the summer. We're going to put the schedule out there so this way I don't have to keep rattling everything off. Uh, next week for our 50th episode, we're bringing back our first guest, Brady Cobb from One Plant as well. Uh, One Plant uses my guest today, so it's a nice integration there. And then next week, we also have Eben Britton. If you guys don't know who Eben Britton is, Eben Britton is the co-host of Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson. He just started his own podcast called Eben Flow. He is a co-founder of Athletes for Care with Riley Coate. Really excited to have Eben on the show. But today, I want to pretend like you can't see my guests. I hope you can't because I am super excited. He came on the show. I thanked him for doing it. He thanked me for doing my thing. But at the end of the day, one of us has truly gotten the other one through quarantine. I, it is yet to be seen if I've helped him get through all of his quarantine, but without this man, I would not be here talking to you. I'd be insane. I'd be somewhere else. I don't know where I'd be. So without any further ado, I am very excited to announce my guest, Socrates Rosenfeld, the co-founder and CEO of Jane Technologies. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on, Todd. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if I could say the same thing about you helped me get through quarantine, but uh, I, I can empathize with you. Cannabis has, has been a huge help, I think, for, for you and me and so many other people in this country. So usually I'll just get in and start asking you a question, but I want to share a story with you, right? So yeah. I've, in Florida, we don't have a massive cannabis industry yet. We've got 14, 15 operating companies. A good amount of them are actually on Jane, which is awesome, but... My neighbor next door is a hotel guy, and, and hopefully he doesn't mind me calling him out a little bit. I won't tell his name. We're in the backyard, and we're talking. And he's asking me about cannabis and everything else, and he's like, you know, what are the dispensaries like and everything? I go, what's going to blow your mind, dude, is that I can go online, just like I was buying anything online, shop every dispensary within a certain radius of my house, see what they have, add it to a cart, and typically 24 hours later, it shows up at my house. That blew his mind blew his mind. So I, I just wanted to share that with you because I think that is one of the coolest things in the world that you have done so much to normalize cannabis. You know, how do you feel about that, man? Oh man. I, um, I, I'm, what I think is our software has helped dispensaries like one plant and true leave 
shout out to Kim Rivers, even though she's, she she's hasn't yet used Jane. We're, we're continuing that conversation. But really, it's to enable these operators who assume all the risk. They grow the product. They, they hire locally. They open their doors during a time when a lot of retailers have been forced to shut their doors. For me, man, that's the, that's the, the ultimate fulfillment for me and my team is watching business operators be able to use and leverage our software so that individuals like you and me can get safe, accountable access to this plant in a convenient way, just like we order everything else online. So it's a, uh, it's a wonderful time to be alive, man. It's pretty cool that we can still blow the mind off of, of certain people like your neighbor. It's pretty cool. Oh, man. I, I, I tell everybody when they ask me about the experience, I go, the fact that I can sit here and it's like, hey, I need something for the weekend and just go online and get it is absolutely incredible. And I know you're not the only site that does it, but you do a great job with it. The web, and we'll get into all of that, right? So we're going to take this like one of those movies, right? We, we started the movie in the middle of the conversation. Now we're going to go back to the beginning, Tarantino. scratch the record. Let's go. So, dude, I mean, so I, I look at your resume and you know, people like you always impress me because I think you've just done a bunch of hard stuff, right? Uh, you, you were in the military, you went to West Point Academy and then became an Apache helicopter pilot, you know, and then, and then now you're an entrepreneur. So kind of an interesting journey because I think people in the military are some of our best workers and some of our greatest entrepreneurs because they get a lot of structure and discipline from the military that they can apply to their business. What led you, what led young Socrates saying, I'm going to go to the military. I'm going to be an officer in the military. And then ultimately to be an Apache helicopter pilot, that's, I mean, you know, it's very respectful, but from a fan, it's also badass too. <laughs> Thanks, man. And for those that know me, know I'm, I'm not really badass, but the Apache helicopter really is. Um, we have a saying actually at Jane, we, um, <clears throat> we tend to have a lot of sayings, uh, but one of the sayings is, is go where it's difficult. And um, I think that's really kind of when looking at my past, that's always instinctually, which is strange because you kind of instinctually want to avoid difficulty. But for me, I've always mm-hmm. used difficulty and challenge um, as, a, as a means to learn more about myself and ultimately to learn and experience life on a much more meaningful level. Now, I'm not saying, you know, make life hard for you for the sake of making it hard, but um, usually things worth doing aren't easy. Um, they're not overly complicated, but they're not, uh, they're not easy. And what I've realized is, you know, I was 18 years old. I didn't really understand the importance of, or the, the kind of honor of being selected to go to West Point. Um, I will admit that was wasted on me in my early twenties. Um, but what West Point did teach me during those four years, despite my best efforts was that, putting one foot in front of the other, focusing on the task at hand, not getting overwhelmed by the what ifs in the world and really embracing challenge as an opportunity to grow and refine and iterate yourself, your process, your team. That's kind of what led me to now saying, okay, you know, what's difficult next? Flying an Apache helicopter is really tough. Okay, what's, what's really difficult? Ranger school was really difficult. That taught me about learning more about myself you know, commanding a company in Iraq, going to MIT. I'm McKinsey. I never really felt like I actually fit in anywhere, to be honest with you. And I imagine that, you know, a lot of people probably feel the same way. I was hearing this imposter syndrome or whatever that is. But for me, I just, um, and I think now for our team, we've just really embraced the challenge 
and cannabis, not an operator in this industry, has, has gone without challenge, without the necessity to be resourceful and creative and really, you know, try to make ends meet in a time when it was really difficult. And because we've done that as a team, uh, our software now is in a position where we, we can support 1,700 dispensaries across 31 states. We can, you know, drive and, and support thousands and thousands of orders at a single retail location without any kind of hiccup. It's because we've gone where it's hard for three, four, five years now. And now we're in a position where we can continue to support the industry in a time when perhaps, you know, digital technologies are needed most. Yeah. And, and I would say you definitely went to a place that's very hard because online cannabis transactions, we'll call it for the most part, there's so many roadblocks that really keep you from operating the way that you want to operate. So you're kind of sitting there and you've got unlimited amount of roadblocks in your way. And all of a sudden it's, okay, they broke up in this roadblock. Let's move to the next checkpoint. Okay. They broke open. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've been able to see a small progression of Jane over the past few months to see it, but so, you know, I watched an interview with you and you said, I think 2015, you didn't just get the idea, but you were obsessed with this idea. You were at McKinsey and you were giving up, I don't want to say giving up, but you were taking the option of working on this crazy idea that you had first going out with friends, doing all this other stuff. I'm sure, I'm sure when you're in the office every so often, if you need to take a break, you probably scratch a little bit on your paper. We don't have to tell the folks at McKinsey about that. But <laughs> I don't think people realize that you know, you, you said, I didn't want to be the next Zuckerberg or anything. I was just obsessed with this idea. I don't think people realize how it's not a traditional tech play. It's not like you can say, okay, let me go code this or build this. And then boom, I'm up and operating. It's, there is a, a whole lot of logistics and licensing and compliance that need to be done on top of the tech play. So bring us back to that beginning, you know, was it that you saw a need for an online cannabis marketplace or was that just the opportunity? How did you get yeah. this idea and where did the obsession come from? So here I was, I was a McKinsey consultant. Time for all, shout out to all the consultants out there and pretty much anybody working these days. Time is of the essence, right? We, we, we can't even, the thought of having an hour lunch away from your computer is like, that would, that's unheard of at McKinsey, let alone other places. Yeah. So for me, Everything I did was on my phone. All right, I got to time this Uber to pick me up so I can get to the office and be there on time. I got to find my next flight. I got to find a, a, a hotel, a place to stay. I got to get a, a Grubhub meal, right? Everything was about convenience, was about curation, and ultimately was at my fingertips. I had ultimate purchasing power. And then I would fly home on the weekend. I would go ready, you know, ready to order my cannabis and it would be like I was in, you know, the 1990s where yeah. I go to each individual website or a listing service that was out of date. And I was just ultimately I was really frustrated by it. And then um, I talked to my my brother, who is a co-founder, one of the co-founders. And he's a much he's a, he's a brilliant guy. Um, he's a younger brother. Uh, his name is Abraham. He has two computer science degrees from MIT, a real wow. deep, deep expertise um, on systems integration. And what he saw was an opportunity where because you couldn't ship, you know, an eighth of flour across state lines, everything had to be hyper-localized. Everything then had to be 
instead of how do we build an Amazon where we can ship products and disintermediate the retailer, our thinking then became, okay, how do we as the tech company kind of bring it back to what we said at the beginning, Todd, how do we enable retailers like OnePlant, TrueLeave, et cetera, where they don't have to think about e-commerce, we can automate that experience for them. And then selfishly, I was thinking as a consumer now, I know exactly what's sitting on their store shelf without ever having the need to actually step foot in that, in that store. And pre-COVID, that was a real luxury. Now it's a necessity. And so um, really, it just came back to how do we solve this problem? And ultimately, how do we make shopping for cannabis in the year 2020 as, as good our goal is to make it even better than shopping for anything else online in the world. And we think, you know, we're, we're well on our way here. And the, the industry is really uh, is ripe for that innovation and the, the marriage between retailers and technologists dreaming up some wonderful experiences. As an entrepreneur, I don't think you could dream up a better scenario. No. And, and I told you I was going to fan out on, on this podcast a Good, lot man. just because I, I love the product so much for so many reasons. I mean, just the convenience. Yes, it's great. There's a lot of convenient tools out there. But for people who are not in our industry, for my friends, family, people that I talk to in other industries, it's a perfect window into our industry that I can pull it up on my phone and say, you want to know what the experience is like in the medical cannabis industry in Florida? Go to iheartjane.com. Look at the stores, look at the inventory, look at the products, click on a product, look at the description, look at see how it looks and feels. Um, you've made it easy for me to share my experiences with people who don't have their cards yet. As you know, Florida is a medical place. And honestly, I didn't even know that all the companies that you're integrated with, because I go on your website and you know, I see, I hope I don't alienate anyone here, but I'll see Fluent was just added. I see One Plan, I see Rise. Uh, yep. Move, Liberty Health Sciences, which are all right around my house. It's awesome. Yep. But when you go to their website, it's a Jane interface, right? I can see it. it I know yeah. it's Jane. I know exactly. TrueLeave is a different story. I didn't know you guys were working with them. No, we're not. We're not working with TrueLeave. Ah. I give a, uh, a shout Kim, out Kim, we them. need to make that happen. Yeah, if Kim's listening. Um, but um, you bring up a, a fantastic point where – Again, I think for a long time, tech companies have been convinced that it's all about the tech company, right? That it's, it's all about Amazon. It's all about DoorDash. It's all about Grubhub. It's all about Uber. Um, I think some tech companies like Airbnb have, have, have had the foresight to say, maybe it's not so much about Airbnb. Maybe it's kind of about yeah. those sellers. For us, we really saw this opportunity because... I love the cannabis industry for so many reasons. One of the big reasons is it's not pretentious yet. I hope it doesn't become yeah. that, right? Where like we can just be fans of the plan. Just instantly we have a shared connection over that. Um, for us, the thought of saying, hey, this is all about iHeartJane.com. It's, it's, it's only iHeartJane.com. It's got to be Jane branding everywhere. We didn't really think that was thinking for the future. And you take a company like One Plan, for instance, that's worked very hard to acquire their customers, get their customers comfortable with shopping at their stores. We want to make that experience as bespoke and custom to, to them and their operation as much as possible. And we're just getting started with that. Eventually, we want retailers and brands to be able to utilize 
our software and be able to have it look and feel however they really want to fit their exact needs. And we're, we're getting there, which is really exciting. But ultimately, what we're trying to, to create, and thank you for sharing that, is, is exactly that, is, is just a window, a threshold into the industry so that someone like my mother, for instance, who's looking for, who's never tried cannabis a day in her life, and I'm trying to convince her, maybe use some topical cream. You yeah. know, she's in Boston, Massachusetts. Go in there, type in topical cream, look for the best rated, look for the ones that, you know, have been tagged as non-psychoactive. You can find... A, a very similar shopping experience where you can be well-informed in 10, 15 minutes on the product that you're buying, just like you do with everything else in the world, place to stay, someone to pick you up, a stranger. Here we are. Now we can use technology to actually start looking at and, and educating ourselves on a product that seems to be helping us so, so, so much. No, and it's great. And it's funny that you say that, you know, part of the reason why I started this podcast is because and you say we have that instant connection. I talked my friend's ears off about the cannabis industry and I love talking about it. They got sick of it. I'm like, well, now I'll just talk to strangers about it and film it, um, which is how the podcast started. But, you know, I love your story because going from, you know, uh, the army into business, going into McKinsey, it was actually cannabis that helped you, right? So you have a true reason for being passionate about this plant and everybody has their reasons, but yours, you know, helped you join society again. People don't, I don't think people realize when you go to the army, it's not like you're starting a sales job. It's not like, okay, do these bullshit training videos. And now you're a soldier, you live it, breathe. And I don't have personal experience. So nobody tell me that I'm wrong or anything else. It's you live it, breathe it every day. You're training constantly, especially you, you know, the, the helicopter, the, the ranger school, that's what you do every day. You're preparing. And then all of a sudden you go from being trained to be this warrior and they just tell you to go home and be normal. And I'm sure there are times where you, you hear a sound at night or this, that, and the other. And, you know, your mind triggers to what you were trained to do that you needed to calm down. So I know I kind of told 40% of your story already, but can you, can you kind of enlighten yeah, us about how it helped you? Yeah. And I haven't actually really shared this uh, publicly as I'm kind of still processing why I am a, I'm big on the why. Maybe it's a, a waste of time. Maybe not. I don't know. But no, I, I, was, I, uh, I love the why. Cool, man. Um, the what I realized, and I was, was kind of, I was going on a hike with my wife this weekend, and I turned to her and I said, "Man, um, it's not necessarily that you know when you talk about post traumatic stress, the stress, the tra- the trauma, the traumatic stress. It, it's not always coming from combat." And you hit up a great point where, like you said, it's not a sales job where you can just, you know, put a suit and tie on, go to work, and then, hey, it's five o'clock, I'm going to be someone else, mm-hmm. you know, when I walk, through the, walk away from this office. In the Army, from day one, 24-7, 365, they are training you to respond to traumatic stress. And the training actually teaches you to override the natural, physical, emotional reaction to life and death decisions. And I'm not going to go into detail about that, but for, yeah. the, for you, you, the audience knows. And I think that's a very often overlooked where we think, oh, you've come back from war. Now is, you know, okay, you've experienced stress, but a lot of people, maybe they've come back and transitioned out of the service and maybe they didn't quote unquote see, you know, direct 
fire or combat, but they come out and they're, they can't turn down the intensity level. And that's really confusing because they're like, wait, I'm not a ranger. You know, I didn't get shot at whatever that is, but man, like we don't take a moment and tell the, the soldier, Hey, you've just indoctrinated yourself in training to make life and death decisions. And I'm not saying the training is bad or good. I'm just saying that that physical override, that emotional override, that's what cannabis helped for me. And cannabis helped me kind of move the scale back into balance. It helped me find my presence again. It helped me actually process my emotions. You know, uh, I've been crying a lot lately, um, yeah. you know, and just kind of processing that. And I tell you what, man, it is it is truly healing and it's not, and I think again, a lot of people kind of, when I tell them, Hey, cannabis help me out. They think, Oh, here's this panacea that, you know, helps with everything. That's not the case. What, what it is, is it puts me in a mind state where I can heal myself. And that when I figured that out and I, I don't say I figured that out when I felt that for myself, Todd, there was nothing going to get in between me and my mission to go and make sure that we provide safe access to this plant for people who need it, people like me and my veteran friends. So that was really, that's the fire that, that kind of burns in my belly. And what we've done now is we created a team where every single member of the Jane team has a reason why they're, they're here. And it's not to build another Amazon. It's not to get on the cover of Forbes magazine. It is really to have a seat at the table when the history books are literally being written, say, man, we helped move this industry forward, hopefully in, in the right direction. We think we are that, uh, I mean, that is the most fulfilling experience I think that anybody could ask for. And it's a, it's a gift and a blessing every single day, man. Well, I, I think that's why you guys are so good because you have the passion in the right place. And it's about getting the product that plenty of people are doing a great job at, right? They didn't need you as another cultivator. They didn't need you to figure out cultivation science. Right. You're doing your job as you guys are all making this phenomenal product. How do I get in everyone's hands? And, and to touch back on using cannabis to help you. And there's so many people that will default to the stigma when you say that you used cannabis to help you. And they're like, some people will look at it as, as a drug. It's like, yeah, well, you felt good when you were using it. I would argue that cannabis helps you almost be your own therapist in a way. Yeah. Um, I can tell you with my own personal use, and it, it didn't have to do with war, but you know, it helped me analyze situations that I had gone through and look at it from different angles and kind of take different approaches to it and realize, you know, maybe I was wrong in that situation because this is how I felt, but the person who was receiving that information didn't take it that way or anything along those lines. And funny enough, if, if we were using pharmaceuticals, nobody would question us. If you said, yeah, you know, Prozac really helped me adjust to, um, or Zoloft or whatever other pharmaceuticals I can name off the top of my head that I see on my, you know, Super Bowl commercials, no one would question you if it was an opiate, but because you said cannabis, they're like, ah, oh, yeah, your miracle drug, right? It, it's, how do we, how do we fight that? Because people don't realize that there are weird stuff in opiates. There are weird stuff in pharmaceuticals. It's not a plant, you know, but it's, generally accepted because, and nothing against the pharmaceutical companies, but because Pfizer or GlaxoSmithKline says it's safe, that it's safe for me, um, you know, it, it's weird to me that people won't accept cannabis use as they will any other pharmaceutical. Yeah, I, um, 
I, I think, and fortunately, in my opinion, I, I think that audience is shrinking and shrinking. And the reason behind that is we're not listening to ads on the Super Bowl. We're not listening to pharmaceutical lobbyists. We're not listening to politicians. We're not listening to cops or teachers or parents. We're listening to ourselves. We're listening to the people we love and trust. And more and more of the people that I love and trust are at, I'm not saying everybody's smoking weed and, you know, that's certainly not the case, but people like, you know, my, my dad, for instance, or my mom who grew up in Indonesia, she's now realizing because her son has told her the truth, man, actually, I don't care what pharmaceuticals say. I see what this is doing in, with my son. I'm believing that because that's the truth. I think that's how we get there. And it's just, you know, one voice at a time. And, and you know, I, I want to get back to the company, but this is so much fun to talk about. I yeah. think that people have this misconception that when we say use cannabis, like go smoke an entire joint, go get completely stoned out of your, no, no, that the way you use it that way is not a pharmaceutical way. Some people need that much or anything else. Um, but when we say use cannabis, it's try a CBD tincture, try a THC pill, try this bomb, try this cream, try this oil. We're not saying go light up a joint and pass it around a circle. There are people who use it that way and always will, but there are so many other uses of it. And I think part of what Jane is doing is your website alone is showing the options out there to show like, Hey man, pre-rolls is one section. Flower is one section, but this dispensary has nine sections. So why don't you look at the other seven? Right. We have, uh, and thank you for, for bringing that up. We have over 30, 350,000 individual cannabis SKUs on our marketplace. I think we have 150 or so subcategories. So you're talking about like within the edible category, you have teas and honey sticks and gummies and baked goods. And within baked goods, you have vegan baked goods and gluten-free baked goods and savory and all these different things. You're exactly right. And I think at the end of the day, it's an herb. It's a plant. And um, if we care about what we put in our body, truly, and I think we are as a society caring more and more where organic is now mainstream, yeah. we, we should bring that down to the, the medicine we put into our body. And more and more, I think plant-based medicine is, is, is having its day where we're now we're proving, hey, we can actually address a lot of these issues that only we thought only pharmaceuticals could address you know, a, a decade ago. And we're now realizing that's certainly not the case now. Yeah. And, and I'm going to name drop here, here for a second, but the person who opened my eyes to that is, is Ricky Williams. Um, yeah. You know, shout out, shout out to Ricky. He just got part of him. The, the UT field is going to be named after him and Earl Campbell. So congratulations to him. But through Ricky's company, Real Wellness, you know, I talked to Ricky, I did an interview with him and he said, basically, we need to combine Eastern and Western medicine. There needs to be the Eastern pre uh, preventative medicine where we're using the herbs and we're using all these supplements to keep our body healthy and, and prevent these things from happening. But then when you get truly sick, when you break your leg, when there are painkillers and other things that, you know, you have to use them, you know, listen, I'm all into the herbal treatments and everything else, but if you're going to cut me open for surgery, please use opiates, put me under, I don't want an herb that's going to maybe do the job, right? <laughs> so the future should be a combination of the two, if I'm right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. I think ultimately, we just want fair and equal choice. 
So, yeah. and that's something that the veteran community has been asking for for a long time now is, hey, we're not asking for you to prescribe cannabis to us and, you know, get it issued in our, you know, our duffel bags at, at basic training, but let us choose for ourselves how we want to heal and address our pain, whether that's physical pain or emotional pain. That's all we're looking for. And I think that's all the American people ultimately at the end of the day want. And uh, I think we're moving in that direction, which is exciting. A hundred percent. So I naturally believe we're going to come all the way back to this conversation because these tend to go there. But going back to, to Jane, so 2015, you're obsessed with the idea. You're working your ass off on it. What always is interesting to me, because you listen to all these entrepreneurs and everything is like, just do it, just execute. All of a sudden you have an idea one day and then right. the next day you're executing on that idea outside of like forming the LLC and all that. What's the first step you take? Is it, do I start, you know, whiteboarding what the interface is going to look like? Do I have to go and see if there's a need? How do you go from nothing to something that you can now take action on and, and execute? Great question. The, the, you know, there's a lot of different, it, it, you learn in the army, actually McKinsey too. You take these very ambiguous, like open-ended problems, like, okay, what's the first step, right? And for me, what I saw is you're always looking for a framework when you're trying to break down really big, hairy problems. You're trying to be like, all right, how do I organize this? And then how do I start cutting this up so that we can start putting bricks into the wall that we're trying to build here. And for me, you know, I, I, I love to read. So I read a bunch of books. Um, actually, for any kind of person, I always, I recommend this book with the Cannabis Manifesto from Steve D'Angelo. You got it? Yeah, it's like, or, or if, you've, if you've read it, it's really good. But um, what I did was build a business plan, man. It's the easiest way. You say, okay, cool. What are the sections to a business plan? You know, don't tell my business school professors, but I, I Googled it. Uh, I probably should have, that's like day one stuff I should have learned. But it's like, yeah. all right, who are your customers? How big is this pie, right? How big is this market? All right, who are the competitors? Okay, what are, who are potential partners? How do you grow this thing from a V1 to a V2 to a V3? What does this look like? How are you going to make money? So for me, and it's, it's different for everyone, but for me, the business plan was a framework through which I could really deep dive into different parts of the idea, stress test it. And then what happened, and I gave myself as much time as I absolutely needed. Uh, for any entrepreneur that has an idea, this is like the most cherished time when it's just you and your idea. You know this, right? It's like, should I start a yeah. podcast? Should I not? Um, you come up with, with a business plan. For me, that was it. And then that business plan has been refined and refined and refined, but it's this evolving document. And from there, you know, that foundation allows you to kind of build a business with adjacent opportunities kind of moving forward. And um, as we rolled out, you know, we thought, okay, hey, let's build retail e-commerce. And then from there, you know, we had over a thousand dispensaries who were like, man, brands really need e-commerce too. We have a network. Could we help them out with that? We don't, we don't have this in Florida, but in other states, um, where it's not vertically integrated, we allow for this. These are this, these kind of, when you have your, your kind of core strategy and vision down, you can build adjacent opportunities off that really efficiently. And that's, that's, we've been very fortunate that we've been able to do that. Yeah. You know, I get that a lot on the show is we don't have that in Florida. So hopefully our market will open <laughs> up and allow you to, uh, 
to do that here, but I have, I, I tricked your site. I put my location actually as Ricky's address in Venice beach because I wanted to get the experience of what it would be like in Cal. Obviously I can't order anything, but I wanted to see the experience from the California in, in an actual true full cannabis state. And it's incredible what you guys have done. You know, I remember I actually heard this from an interview, but your site really allows people to search the way that they want to, right? So down here in Florida, I've got the dispensaries that I know and I trust and I like. So I go by store because I know, you know, who delivers, who's got what. Um, I get the text messages through Jane that send me back to the site. Um, But if I was somewhere else, if I happen to take a trip somewhere to another state, I can search for the strains that I want. I could search for the products I want. You said you can even go so granular as if you're looking for gluten-free edibles that you could find gluten-free edibles. Oh, yeah. That's that's it, man. And again, our, our mission is to provide as much access, safe access to this plant as possible. And if you think about how you shop on any site where you're looking to buy something, I think a lot of people got anchored with Grubhub in the industry where, you know, you start with the restaurant first, um, which is wonderful. And like you said, you have your kind of your dispensaries that you know of, Maybe you got loyalty points there, whatever that is. And you're like, cool. I'm, I, these are my three or four stores that I my go-to. I use Jane that way. But there are others that, you know, might care about who's got the highest potency. Or, hey, I only want to see top-rated products. Or I just want to actually see things to help me sleep. And I'm open to topical creams and tinctures, et cetera. We have that capability. So, we, you know, many sayings at the company. Another saying we have is, we, we want to meet the customer wherever he or she wants to be met. If that's on one plant's website, wonderful. That's on a brand's website, wonderful. If they want to shop for only, you know, gummies, let's make that happen. That's really kind of our goal. And, and uh, you know, uh, I'm going to say this, Todd, you're a wonderful fan. You got any more ideas, man, of how we can do this better? Shout out to um, the subreddit, Medical Trees out in Florida. Just the community you guys are building down in Florida is just wonderful. Man, if you got ideas, let me know because that's how we constantly improve and build on that. We just want to make shopping for cannabis as flexible and adaptable as absolutely possible for for anyone and be able to meet the consumer wherever he or she wants to be met. Well, man, I can tell you this. When when things get back to normal and travel isn't so scary anymore, we would love to host you down at a C-Lab event, introduce you to everybody in Florida, um, you know, we're always with the one plant guys, folks at rise fluent cure leaf Kim's come to a couple of them. So we'd love to have you down and really indoctrinate you into, into the Florida cannabis society. Uh, oh, we've got a lot of our members that are, are actually watching this right now. Actually, Zach Coburn, stop texting me. You're not going to make me laugh. I'm not looking at my phone. Um, <laughs> he's, he's trying to do that when he saw us talking. So we'd yeah. love to have you down here and give oh, you some of those ideas. Oh man. Um, yeah. Florida is one of our uh, a, a near and dear state to the to the Jane story and uh, yeah man whenever the dust settles I'll be there for sure. So that's awesome man. So let me ask you another question now. So we we talked about how you know you're not it's not traditional e-commerce right. There are a ton of roadblocks between oh, yeah. you and a traditional e-commerce site right. So you I used to, the idea was in 2015 and you launched a year later. We launched of all dates, 420, April 20th of 2017 was our launch date. Okay. 
And what was that first iteration of Jane like? I mean, I know I can see that you guys have improved so much since the pandemic hit because all these states have kind of loosened regulations on curbside and delivery. But what was that first edition like compared? Let's compare it to January or February of this year, because I think you've gone through four years in the past four months as far as (laughs) as updates. Good shout, man. Um, The... You know, when they talk about it, uh, when you're launching a product, that MVP, that minimum viable product, the absolute minimum you can build to just see if that you're going to get that product to market fit. Our first product, man, was, uh, you know, I I look back on it fondly because it was the absolute best we could possibly do at the time with the resources we had. It was like a lime green color and the biggest part of it all, no photos. <laughs> there was just, there were like these little icons of, you know, a flower and an edible and, and just like the thought of people ordering cannabis products without actually looking at a photo, um, you know, it, is, it makes me yeah. scared to think about it now, but we had to go and do it. It was, it was truly the MVP. You know, I wouldn't say we had hundreds of thousands of orders on day one. I don't even think we had a single order on day one, to be honest with you. But, you know, in, in three and a half years, we're now the largest consumer platform in the country. And, uh, you know, now now we got photos on our website and, and plus a lot more. You guys have so much on your website. And I, I want to ask you that because actually some of the experiences are different across. Is it the the dispensary or the, the, the client that's responsible for the experience within their, we'll call it store in your marketplace? Yeah, so... Again, in, in the, the hardest part for retailers um, is, you know, we could take, let's take Truly for, for instance, large retailer, very successful. They, they can build a front end. Do, you know, you can, you, can, you can make it look good. The back end part, having real, like when you look on a Jane menu, those products are in stock in real time. You know that with certain people. 100%. Right? I check it sometimes like, daily, like the stock market. Yeah, um, my, I feel so bad for people who live, you know, a, a, an hour, two hours away from the nearest dispensary. You place an order on a non-Jane store, you drive there, like, oh yeah, sorry, you, you, we sold your product two hours ago. That is crazy to me, particularly when we're talking about people's medicine, right? So yeah. for us, the, the automation piece is, that's the hardest part. That's, that's really, it takes MIT engineering to kind of figure that out. At least it did for us. There's machine learning involved, et cetera. What we're trying to work towards is eventually to just allow those retailers to build on top of that software if they want. So right now we're, we're, we're allowing, as we step towards that, we're allowing what we call the ability for, for retailers to digitally merchandise their products. You think about those rows, those are kind of like store shelves. And now these retailers can shift these store shelves. They can place, you know, products first or second or third, just like they would put, you know, I don't know, the, the salsa section of the supermarket, right? Some, some salsas on the bottom, some salsas eye level. There's a reason behind that. That's what we're trying to create. So to answer your question, there's some automation there, um, but there's also some flexibility to kind of, you know, uh, shape the experience more and more bespoke to that individual dispensary. 
Very cool. I imagine that you guys have gotten to a point where a lot of your opportunities are coming inbound. And, you know, I, I only say that because I think when you first started, there's probably a lot of door knocking, a lot of outbound, but you guys put a great product out there. And when you put a great product out, eventually word of mouth spreads to me with the website integration. Now I'm speaking of a place of ignorance about your, your competition because I'm a Jane user. I'm going to put that out there. I use it. I use it all the time. It was the first one I was introduced to. It's, you know, they have the most in Florida from what I can tell. So people, I'm a Jane user. I'm being biased. Um, you know, I imagine a lot of people call you now and say, Hey, we need e-commerce. We, we, our state allowed for delivery. We need a place to do that. Our state now allows for curbside pickup. Can you help us? Can you put your menu on our website? I imagine that a lot of the industry comes inbound now. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah. Well, you know, there's, uh, the thought back in the day, uh, founding team and I, you know, Howard, Simon, Ben, we'd be out with our backpacks, you know, getting kicked out of dispensaries as, Cause they're like, you know, you'd wait in the line back in the day, at least in California, they'd have, you'd bring your literal flower product into the store. You'd let the purchasing manager smell it. And then if they liked it, they'd be like, cool, we'll take, you know, a pound of this or whatever. Yeah. So we, we come in with our backpacks and then we get into the office and we're like, they're like, okay, what product do you have to sell us? And we're like, actually we whip over our laptop and then quickly get kicked <laughs> out. So um, there was a lot of that. Now there's a lot more inbound. I tell you what, Todd, the um, pre-COVID, you know, when I was talking about automated e-commerce and not having to manually update your menus and, you know, you can leverage our, all of our content database, that for some retailers outside of Florida, you know, not so high volume uh, retailers, they thought that was more of a nice to have. Um, and so they kind of s- stuck with whatever existing uh, online menu provider they were using. But since COVID, where now every, I would say more than half of the orders being placed at a dispensary is now done online. You're talking at some dispensaries, hundreds, if not thousands of online orders every single day. You need automation, you need systems integration. And so now Jane is, is, is kind of the, the only software provider that can, can do that at scale. And yes, we are experiencing a lot, a lot more interest, which is which is great because you know more dispensaries on the Jane network ultimately means more selection for the consumers, more network for the brands, and this industry can kind of move forward, uh, creating win-win solutions. You know, hopefully every step of the way. That's interesting, and I can imagine since COVID that things have only gotten better for you guys, and you know that that's fortunate for you all, right? Because you're a healthy company, I'm sure you're able to expand because you are providing before it happened a COVID-friendly solution. You know, and there's, there's nothing wrong with you. I don't want to say benefiting, but growing through this because by you growing, you're also providing support for these independent dispensaries that may not be able to make it through this without you. Right. Um, um, And sorry to interrupt you, but I do want to emphasize, please, I, I can't, I cannot overemphasize that point enough where again, kind of what we were talking about earlier, we're a software company, you know, we're, we're, I'm not, I don't have a staff on the, on a showroom floor with masks on and rubber gloves trying to get cannabis products to consumers as efficiently and as safely as absolutely possible. Not, you know, four hours out of my day, every single day, they live this every single day. This is why we are doing what we're doing. It's not about, again, building an Amazon of cannabis. It is supporting 
this industry as best as we know how. And for us, we have a bunch of software engineers at the company who love building really cool, sophisticated technology. That's how we can go and help these operators. And then ultimately they can continue to keep their doors open. So yeah, um, COVID was an opportunity actually for us to just cement our relationships with our operating partners and work with them to make sure that we have our, our tools can continue to keep those doors open for them because that's ultimately how we all win. Um, so thank you for bringing that up. That is, uh, that is something that we've been sharing since the onset of COVID. In, in, you know, mid- no, I, I, I mean, listen, the companies in Florida, they're, they're all pretty well capitalized and they're big chains, but you know, people don't realize outside of Florida, at least the people, you know, watch this show, there are independent dispensaries. There are people yeah. have one store, two stores. They just so serve their local market, right? Without Jane right now, it would be very hard for them to stay in business outside of loyalty. And on top of that, you know, it's, it's almost like, like the show Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives, right? It takes and it brings attention to these hole-in-the-wall restaurants. Or if we want to go through and, and really compare stuff, um, Dave Portnoy's pizza reviews, the frozen pizza reviews, or, or the takeout pizza reviews that he did that have changed the life of some of these business owners. You guys are doing that in a way digitally through Jane saying this product, that product, and you're bringing it to people's attention, transitioning kind of out of COVID. We talked about, and I, uh, I'm going to take credit for saying that you are the window to our industry. Um, it, you're going to have to pay me a royalty if you want to use that one. <laughs> um, but you know, when it comes to your marketing, you guys are a tech company. You do not have a leaf in your logo. You don't have cannabis in your logo. So smart move. How is your marketing strategy? Are you focusing on the traditional cannabis consumer or are you trying to target the general public to introduce them and get them to dip their toe in the water because you've got a good platform for it? Yes. Um, I get asked a lot about, you know, how do you market and advertise yourself? Very simple response. We don't um, at all, really. The way we market ourselves, Todd, truly is... I'm a, for, for those of the company, they know I'm an extremely frugal, uh, CEO. I don't think I'm cheap, but I'm frugal. You know, I got <laughs> shout out to my mom for teaching me how to clip coupons. Um, and the reason behind that is we're not profitable yet. And until we are, that's kind of, that should be the mission of every kind of company. In my opinion is to, to be in charge of their own destiny. In my opinion, that's how you, you do it is you get profitable. So uh, until that point, it comes down to, Every single dollar that we have has to go back into making this product better or making our service better. And until that point, it, it, because the way we do that is if you build good products and you have good services, you grow, right? Like we were talking about. And then when mm-hmm. you grow, you get profitable. And then from there, then you can start you know, advertising, et cetera. So the way we've done it is we just said, hey, how do we help? brands advertise? How do we help dispensaries advertise? Leveraging our platform, whether that's reaching new customers uh, by tapping into our marketplace, whether that's, you know, utilizing our market basket information to understand what new categories to open up to reach their their consumer base, whether that's um, uh, unlocking advertisements for these brands in a time and age when they can't go to Google or Facebook, etc. This is how we kind of grow is by helping our partners grow. I know that sounds really cliched, but it kills two birds with one stone. I, I don't like that analogy, but really, you know, number one, it helps our 
partners. And number two, if they're successful, we in turn are successful. And, and then that's how we get our, our name out there. So um, we have one individual on our uh, marketing staff. She's fearless, but she's only one. And really everything is, all of her resources, how do we help the brands and the dispensaries and the operators get the most out of their technology so that they can go out and build and market themselves? Because that's how Jane's ultimately going to get successful as well. So I, I can't imagine a job that might bring someone in, in my shoes or your shoes more joy than buying able by a measure of your success is how much you get to help the industry. Right. And, and I know, like I said, I'm going to fan out, but I, I, I have a reason for it. Right. That's, that's why I have the podcast. I love the industry. I want to talk about it. I want to have my favorite people in the industry on the show, but your measure of success is as long as, you know, you keep being, you know, as long as you guys keep being one of the market yeah. leaders is, am I bringing more attention to the industry? Are my clients making more money? Am I bringing more attention their way as someone who is an advocate, a fan, and now in the industry, I couldn't imagine having a more joyful job. I mean, you just have to, listen, I'm, I know there are hard days and there are stressful days and everything else. You know, you guys raised a lot of money and there's a stress that comes with that. But at the end of the day, jobs are always stressful. There's always going to be hard. If you had to pick any of them, I imagine that this one brings you a lot of joy. That's it, man. Um, I, I, uh, I have not had this much true fun and a sense of fulfillment ever before in my life. And the reason behind that is I truly believe I am, um, I'm pursuing something that I really love that I'm in love with, uh, that I would honestly truly do for free and I'm helping people and I'm working with people that I love and admire and respect and I'm helping businesses build their own businesses and grow ultimately all in alignment with kind of making this industry more accessible to people who need it. It's a, uh, it's a truly a dream come true, man. And we earn that seat every single day. Uh, we are not entitled to it. Like you said, if we stop becoming the market leaders, it's our own fault. We've stopped building tools and products uh, that people don't no longer find value in. We no longer provide services that people need or value the market will be the indicator of, of what is success or not success. And if you can align with the market and say, Hey, your success is actually our success, not mutually exclusive, not like Grubhub where Grubhub makes more money. The restaurant has to not make as much money mm -hmm. or Uber, et cetera. Hey, let's, let's enable and let's align all of our mutual successes. What a wonderful world that would be. And, and, you know, like you said, man, it's a whole lot of fun. Uh, when you don't have to always look over your shoulder and you can be in partnership with other you know players in the space it's really cool really fun yeah i i mean dude i imagine at conferences you're just going around slapping everyone's hand and like hey man <laughs> good to see you good to <laughs> yeah um so the last thing I want to touch on, because, you know, and, and I keep saying that Jane is, is great for the industry. I don't want to ask you how you benefited from COVID, because realistically, you benefited in the form that these government entities finally lifted restrictions to allow our industry to operate as essential. There's your benefit, right? We don't need to talk about anything beyond that. Out of all the changes that you've seen happen by these companies being deemed essential that you were able to implement into Jane, 
do you believe that most of this is here to stay? And when things, if and when things ever get back to normal, that we still are going to have these better delivery programs, these better curbside programs and have these options and holy crap, maybe eventually I can actually put my credit card or debit card information oh, into man. Jane, check out <laughs> and just show up and pick it up. Um, do you think a lot of this is here to stay? And then I'm sure you can rant for that last one for a very long time. Yeah, I could, man. Uh, uh, when we see credit cards, it'll be a good day. I, I think what COVID had, has done for this industry is it has just brought the future to the present, really in a really accelerated way, meaning we knew eventually it was going to look like this, where there's a lot of digital, more delivery, curbside. But now that it's been really necessitated due to this pandemic, we have retailers now who are doing more throughput with less overhead cost. They're understanding and getting more information on what's selling and what's not because they have a lot more meaningful analytics around these digital purchases. We have now consumers who don't wait in line or waiting rooms or you know uh, get disappointed on, on product. Um, we have brands now that can advertise and reach the consumer exactly on the specific menu where that product is in stock. Let's say COVID lifts tomorrow. Are you going to be comfortable waiting in a waiting room for an hour? Are uh, you know dispensary operators going to say, "Hey, no more delivery, no more curbside pickup. I want you know ten more cash registers on my showroom floor." You know, it's it's a hard one for me to 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 believe, and that's why I think what we're seeing now, for the most part, is here to say here to stay. Do I think you know you'll never be able to step foot in the store? No, but do I think that's going to be the primary means for retail? Engagement? Absolutely not. I think, again, for someone that's new to the space, they walk into, you know, a move dispensary, they schedule an appointment with a consultant there, they get to smell the flower, they get to try free samples, talk about CBD and CBN, etc. But the moment they they want, they, you know, the second, third time they want their product, that person is no longer going to go into the store, in yeah. my opinion, right? And um, I think, you know, that, that's an important position for us to be in is the things that we do will set precedent for years to come in this industry. So m let's make sure we build things the right way and take care of one another so that we can set ourselves you, up for success. You, you're describing me as a consumer, right? I, uh, first of all, I don't like waiting an hour anywhere. So whether <laughs> Corona or not, I don't want to be there for an hour, but you know, I know what I want for the most part. So a lot of times I'll go on, on Jane and place a delivery order or a curbside order, depending on what's available. But every three, four, five times, I like to go into the store and I like to chop it up with the bud tender and find out what's yeah. new, what's going on, what's special. It's just, it's, it's an experience. It's fun, especially if you're passionate about the plan, if you're in the industry. It's one of my favorite conversations. When I go on trips now, you know, the old me used to plan trips around food, which I still do. But yeah. when I go into a local dispensary in California or Colorado or Nevada, I, the bud tenders either love or hate me because I'll, I'll, talk their ear off for a half hour and ask them millions of questions. So oh, it's it definitely, the experience is still needed, even though Jane makes, and, and I can tell you, I'll probably go to a few dispensaries and if I'm there for an extended period of time, my second order would be off Jane. That's it, man. And uh, you have an open invitation. When you want to come out and visit Santa Cruz, I got a bunch of local dispensaries and products that I think you'll really enjoy. So it's uh, anytime, man. That, that, that hits hard. Um, I was supposed to be out in LA this week. Uh, my, oh, my birthday is actually Thursday. I'm a massive stand-up comedy fan. 
And originally, my wife and I were going to come out to L.A., go to the comedy store, go to the improv, go to the Laugh Factory, see all the greatest comedians that you guys have out there. And not that I'm not enjoying sitting in my office talking to you, but we could have made some plans to do this in person. So the little solve wound there, but I'm, I would love to take you up on that. Next time, brother, for sure, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we are coming up against the hour here, and actually we've got a, a C-Lab board meeting that's going to be taking over our Zoom account soon, so people might start right. popping in. Um, dude, there's so much more that we still need to talk about, getting into the analytics and everything else. So yeah. we're going to have to do a part two on this eventually. Um, let you, let you hit some more milestones, some more accomplishments and, uh, dude, thank you so much for doing this show. This has been an awesome conversation. Thanks so much, Todd. Really, truly appreciate it. Absolutely, man. It's been a pleasure having you on the show before I let you go. Listen, people, he he doesn't need to promote this one. iHeartJane.com. Just go there. But anything else you want to promote before we let you go? No, uh, I hope everyone is, is safe and as healthy as, as possible. I'm optimistic that we're going to get through this together and uh, particularly for the cannabis industry. I think um, we're going to prove to the world that we're here to stay and do some good in this world. I hope you're right. Well, thank you again, everybody at home. This has been another episode of Elevate Your Grind. If you liked this episode, come on, please support us. Go to YouTube, click the subscribe button. Too many of you guys are watching our videos, but you're not subscribing. I need you to subscribe. YouTube.com, search for Elevate Your Grind. You want to check out our panel tomorrow. Today's Tuesday, Thursday night. I uh, join iHeart C Lab. Join CLab.com. Um, check it out. Register as my guest, guest of Todd Rosales. This has been another episode of Elevate Your Grind, and we're out.